If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, a podcast where every villain is important, no matter how big or small. My name is Becca, and I didn't get the joke. My name is Josh, and I tried to play by the rules, but no, they wouldn't let me go straight. Society is to blame. Is that really how you feel today? Yeah. (laughs) So we are a Batman podcast that is mostly focused on villains and mostly focused on villains in the Silver Age, but... We found a loophole to discuss um, what the one of the other most important female villains who unfortunately was not created until the 90s. But since the Suicide Squad is coming out soon and we've been doing our recurring uh, squad goals uh, segment, we figured it was as good a time as ever to talk about all of the Joker's most important sidekicks and henchmen, uh, namely Harley Quinn and a little known guy that you've probably never heard of named Gaggy. So what do you mean everybody's heard of Gaggy? Joker's first sidekick. Joker's first sidekick. Honestly, yeah. Harley is stealing his thunder these days. <laughs> Maybe he'll show up in Suicide Squad. Oh my goodness. What a what a trip that would be. be I would nice, love it. Nice little Easter egg. Um, so yeah, also we're engaged. That's a fun little thing. And guess what? It's almost our anniversary. It is almost our anniversary. Ooh, Valentine's Day is our anniversary, actually. Mm-hmm. So this actually doubles as our Valentine's Day episode because we're going to talk about Harley and Joker and their love for each other. And it's obviously what our, you know, love is inspired by. It's that beautiful, <laughs> no. beautiful functioning relationship between Harley and the Joker. No, not at all. Not at all. So usually we do news. We're not going to do news. We have a little bit of news. Oh, we do. Well, IGN released a trailer for a new DC animated movie, which is coming out: Mm -hmm. uh, The Justice Society World War II, Mm. uh, which is the next uh, DC animated movie. I think it looks very interesting. It doesn't have any Batman characters in it, but it has like the old timey Flash, Wonder Woman. Uh, what was his name? Our Our Man. Man. Our Man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Fate. And Black Canary. Yeah. Yeah. I love Black Canary. It looks interesting. I love that sort of like 1940s style. Oh, There was that other DC movie um, that had that sort of like style of characters in it. New, oh, New Frontier. New Frontier. Yeah. Yeah. Justice League New Frontier. That's a really good one. It was. And that one has Dinosaur Island in it. Yeah. (laughs) So if you like that kind of like 1940s golden age style, definitely keep a lookout for that. And yep. it takes place in World War II, which is kind of cool. Yeah, they, they're fighting Nazis. They're fighting Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Should we start with uh, Harley Quinn since we're doing squad goals? Yeah, sure. Go All ahead. Right. You want to do the honors? Yeah. So we are going to hop into squad goals. <laughs> And we're covering Harley Quinn. All right. This is going to be a long one. Settle in. Get yourself a drink. Get yourself some snacks. Get real comfy. Think about the worst relationship you've ever been in. (laughs) And get ready to talk about Harley. Harley Quinn's real name is Harleen Francis Quinzel. 
And her story as a criminal mastermind began when she took a job as an intern at Arkham Asylum. According to the comic Mad Love, which was written and drawn by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm, which are, who are creators of the Batman animated series, Harley earned her degree by sleeping with her professors for good grades, and she wanted to be a psychologist so she could get famous writing self-help books and salacious tell-alls about psychopaths. Uh, most modern interpretations of Harley's origin kind of drop this part of her backstory and instead portray her as being a genius who rightfully earned her PhD. So that's just a kind of a difference between how things were in the 90s to how they are now in writing about female characters. So up to you, which I your think mileage they wanted her, varies. I think they wanted her to be more of a villain yeah. back in the 90s because she was only ever going to be used as a villain in the animated series. Yeah. Um, and like as they switched into her sort of modern continuity, uh, she's more of like a anti-hero. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't want her, want it to be like, oh, she cheated her way through school. Yeah. They wanted her to be like, oh no, she definitely rightfully deserves her, her psychology degrees. Yeah. So once she was in Arkham, Harley fell prey to Stockholm syndrome at the hands of the Joker and fell in love with him following some therapy sessions where he outlined his tragic life. Harley's point of no return is told in a couple of different ways in the Mad Love comic. Um, and it's, adaptation in the Batman animated series. Harley robs a joke shop one night and breaks Joker out of Arkham so they can live happily ever after. In the comic No Man's Land, Harley actually helps Joker break out a couple of times and is found out and has her license revoked and is locked up in Arkham herself. However, following the massive earthquake that's in No Man's Land, she escapes and flees to fulfill her potential as the Joker's sidekick. And she shows up in No Man's Land because that was took place like right after the animated series uh, got, was like popular that because it was like an early 2000s or maybe a late 90s storyline yeah. um, and that was like the first time that they could really introduce her to like the mainline continuity mm -hmm. as like a new character yeah and she's been in and out of the comics ever since honestly she's been a pretty constant presence um, so just some stuff about Harley's abilities uh, Harley is a world-class gymnast I'm going to go a brief digression here because okay. I really like gymnastics. And I noticed something when I was rereading Mad Love today. Um, the panel where it shows that like, oh, she was at Gotham State University on a gymnastics scholarship. She's competing on rings, uh, which are those like two little like, you know, those like rings. They're hanging up on little strings. And mm -hmm. you always see like men competing on them in gymnastics competitions because uh, women don't compete on rings. So I read that. I saw that and I was like, that's weird. Harley shouldn't be competing on rings. She's not a guy. And I looked up why women don't compete on rings anymore. And okay, bear in mind, I found this info on a Reddit comment and I couldn't find an official sort to back it up. But according to this Reddit comment, apparently the reason women no longer compete on rings is tied to Nazi Germany. <laughs> um, at the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, the Nazis were worried that their, you know, geopolitical rivals, the Czechoslovakians, uh, especially their women's team, would do better than the German team. So they pushed through these apparatus changes so that all the women's events were ones that the German women excelled at and uh, the Czechoslovakian women couldn't compete on their strongest events like rings. And it's been that way ever since sense um so don't believe the articles that you read that are like oh it's because their muscles are different that's that's bull that's fake news it's nazis uh, and women should be no, able to do rings again you prefaced this and i think it bears repeating you could not verify this info okay official olympic sources say that it's because of upper arm strength and also uh like a, a back in like the 30s and 40s it was a thing of like that was a dangerous event that they didn't want women competing in because right. they didn't want them to get hurt well it's still dangerous <laughs> you ever watch that event it's horrifying all right 
Anyway, digression over. So Harley's a gymnast, uh, which makes her a fearsome foe when she's leading Batman on a rooftop chase. She fights with a number of weapons, mostly an iconic blunt force instrument that's changed over the years. In the 90s, she usually wielded a large mallet, and more recently, writers seem to favor her with a baseball bat. The mallet is very, uh, like, Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes type thing. Tiny Tunes. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. They even did a whole thing in the Harley Quinn television show that came out recently where they have her, like, first using a mallet, and then she's like, no, I'm going to use a baseball bat instead, which was like, okay. (laughs) She keeps two hyenas as pets named Bud and Lou, and they are named after Abbott and Costello, the famous comedy duo oh that's funny um and here's a fun side note in batman beyond there's a member of the joker's gang named wolf woof woof who is a gene spliced man hyena hybrid and it was revealed by paul dini on a dvd commentary that woof is a direct homage to harley's hyenas oh that's pretty cool maybe he's a descendant yeah spliced from their dna there's also um what is it dd and oh no just dd right Mm -hmm. uh who are Two twins who are thought to be Harley's daughters. Yeah. I think there's like a, a, a scene where they talk to like grandma. And, and she's Harley. And it's actually like it looks like Harley Quinn. Interesting. Yeah. Batman Beyond's crazy. Batman Beyond is really cool. I really like the Batman Beyond universe. So as I said before, she's been a fairly consistent presence in the comics ever since her debut in Batman Adventures number 12, which if you do have, Josh would still love a copy. Oh, yeah. I'm still waiting for a rich benefactor to send that to my house. Yeah. So maybe, you know, one day. Uh, However, most people are familiar with her through episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Uh, One episode that shows a really wonderful side of the character is called Harley's Holiday, uh, which was written by Paul Dini and aired in 1994. At the start of this episode, Harley is told that she's been declared sane by Arkham's doctors and she'll be released the following day. In the hallways at Arkham, she runs into Batman, who tells her he'll be there if she doesn't truly go straight. The next day, Harley is seen enjoying every second of freedom, roller skating down the street, walking her two hyenas. She pops into a store, flirts with Bruce Wayne, and legitimately purchases a dress with real money. However, in her excitement, she tries to leave without letting the sales clerk take off a security tag and trips the alarm. Panicking, she fights against the guards who try to explain the situation, and in no time at all, she is back in her costume and makeup and has stolen a car with a hostage. (laughs) So the episode really gets wilder from there, and I truly recommend you watch it. It spins way out of control. I love it. I won't spoil everything. It involves a gangster. Don't spoil everything. It involves a gangster and a man in a tank, is all I'll say. You should watch it. Um, It really sets Harley apart from the rest of the rogues gallery. She has this ability to show compassion and mercy, and she does know the difference difference between right and wrong um josh can vouch that i cried real tears at the ending when we watched it earlier. oh today. yeah between watching harley's holiday and mad love at the end of both of these episodes i was welling up at the end yeah they're they're very uh emotionally like they hit right at the heart yeah she's a really great character she is uh you wanted to talk a little bit about the arkham games which you have played all of them yeah yeah so i also kind of want to talk a little bit more about the animated series because yeah, um, I don't know if you have this in your notes, but like when they first created her, she was just supposed to be a one-off character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deanie and Tim, they wanted to create like a sidekick for the Joker. They created Harley Quinn. And then I think like through the process of working with uh, Arlene Sorkin, who was the voice of her in the animated series, uh, they grew to like really love the character and started writing more stories and plots for her. I don't know why they didn't just use Gaggy. <laughs> As we'll see, he's extremely versatile. He is. He really is. Um, 
Yeah, and, and so I, I thought that was really interesting, just that, like, you know, she gets her start in the animated series in an episode where, like, Joker's looking for henchmen. Yeah. You know something? I read, uh, I, I reread Mad Love and other stories. I have that on our bookshelf. And there's a part in it that's, like, just a little page of, like, notes from Bruce Tim. And he mentions that they were partially inspired to write Harley because they had a friend who was in, like, an emotionally abusive relationship. Wow. Like, and they're like, she's good. She's married to a nice guy now. So everything's yeah. fine. You didn't touch that on that on your rundown of her the the relationship that he she has with the joker yeah i mean i will say i prefer the two of them when they're separate i feel like there's nothing good or interesting about the two of them together i don't really think it's like fun i mostly feel like it shows like yeah harley's just another victim of the joker um He's, he emotionally yeah. manipulates her. The, yeah. the whole thing about, like, you know, you talked about how she breaks him out and she, she gets to, like, learn to know him. Uh, we see in the Mad Love comic and in the in the Mad Love, like, adaption for the television series that he, like, used these sob stories to appear to her mm. as, like, a, a misguided soul. Someone who's really just looking for attention because, you know, his father abused him or mm. his mother abused him. And, you know, Batman points out in that that, like, oh he's got a million stories he's told these before to other people who who have like tried to help him exactly that's a great scene yeah yeah and and i think that there's a very similar thing uh in the arkham games to move back to the arkham games in arkham asylum you can pick up these like tapes they're like little collectibles little extra things that you can pick up as you go through the game and there's the tapes of harley quinn like interviewing the joker and he tries these stories on her and like tells her all these things and i think there's also flashbacks to it in um the Arkham Origins game mm-hmm. where she's like interviewing him um, and like gains, you know, he gains her trust and sympathy. Uh, and yeah, she, she just like, she always believes that like he's one breakthrough away from becoming well, <laughs> which is, you know, really sad. Very reminiscent of anyone who's ever been in a re- an abusive relationship. Before. Yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that like he doesn't respect her every time... Yeah. They're on screen together. If she upstages him even slightly, he lashes out at her. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where, like, he will ignore the other thing that he's trying to do to, like, be mad and upset at her. Yeah. Uh, which sometimes ends up foiling his schemes. Yeah, like in Mad Love. <laughs> he just lets Batman go because he can't deal with the idea of Harley being the one who finally kills him. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really rough. It's super rough. Um, It gets a little more, like, dark and weird in, like the Suicide Squad movie, he like gives her electrotherapy. Yeah. In the New Fifty Two continuity, he like throws her into a vat of acid. Yeah. Which permanently uh, whitens her skin, so mm-hmm. it's not makeup anymore. It's like actually part of her. Yeah. And I think that I don't know if modern continuity has actually adopted that. Um, in Rebirth, has. I'm not 100 sure. I think it has because Rebirth keeps a lot of the stuff from New Fifty Two as canon, along yeah. with like piling the the other stuff from from other like eras. Yeah, I feel like modern continuity with Harley, they're more interested with like getting her paired with Ivy. That's true. That's yeah, like. and and her solo book, which is nice. Honestly, Harley and Ivy make a great team, both romantically and platonically. I I like them in any context. I think they're greatest yeah. friends. I think they're greatest like dating and like girlfriends or married, whatever they are now in the Injustice universe. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you wanted to talk specifically about the DLC from Arkham. Yeah, yeah. So in Arkham City, uh, if you play the like the base game of Arkham City, you go through that game, you can find, uh, like, Joker in Joker's hideout, uh, Harley has stuff sort of scattered around, and she has a, like, baby crib, and then, like, a positive pregnancy test, and also um, the ventriloquist, who is another Batman villain who has a uh, ventriloquist dummy. Mm-hmm. She's made the uh, Scarface, which is the ventriloquist dummy, into, like, a, a Joker. So she, like, painted his <laughs> face with, like, red lips and stuff. Yeah. And, like, put him in the crib. He's not gonna like that. So, <laughs> so uh, it's sort note- of... Scarface and Ventriloquist are my favorite villains. It's sort of implied that like Harley is going to have Joker's baby, Mm -hmm. um, which is like a big thing because spoilers. Okay, skip ahead a few seconds if you don't want spoilers for the Arkham City game. Joker dies in the end of that game. Mm -hmm. So it could be like, you know, continuing the family lineage or whatever. Um, But then... Is he not in Arkham Knight? He shows up Doesn't as he like an back? he shows up as like an apparition. Oh, okay. Um, as like a like <laughs> they can't stay away. Batman's fears, no. yeah. Um, so if you play the Harley Quinn's Revenge DLC, which came out you know like a month or two after the base game did, and gives you like a new sort of campaign to play through where Harley is grieving for the Joker, uh, you can go to that same room and find it littered with negative pregnancy tests. Oh no, Harley! <laughs> so like it's also I guess sort of implied via that that like she's upset that she isn't carrying like either miscarried or like had a negative pregnancy. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's like half of the reason why she's lashing out in that DLC. Yeah. Poor Harley. That's so sad. Uh, Great. So yeah, play those games. They're super fun. Oh yeah, they are. Uh, So Harley emerged as a real star in the very first Suicide Squad movie played by Margot Robbie. Uh, Robbie has a really clear love for this character and goes above and beyond in interviews to defend Harley's intelligence and express her enthusiasm for the character. In Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, Harley is campy, charismatic, and fearless, albeit a little cringeworthy at times. She's the one in Suicide Squad who says normal is a setting on a dryer, which, no, it's not. (laughs) You got, like, low heat, high heat. Medium heat, which I guess might say normal heat on Nor- some dryers. Medi- medium, normal wash? Normal... I'm talking about a dryer. Oh, a dryer. Dryer just says. has temperature settings, right? That's true, yeah. Why would there be one that says normal? Maybe she meant a washer. I don't know. <laughs> she has gone through some electroshock therapy in that's that true. movie. That's true. So maybe that's why. Uh, I, just, I don't know. Her character just seems like a factory for like Hot Topic t-shirt slogans. Oh, for sure. And you know, some of my best friends are Hot Topic managers, so I won't speak ill of the HT, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, you're you're totally right, and I think DC like lean leans into this to people. They know they're gonna sell tons of merch to, to people's chagrin. Is like you know that they they know that like Harley. There's like a lot of I, what are the what do you call them? Goth girls, alt girls, yeah, who are like, ooh, I want to be like Harley. She's so messed up, yeah. Just like there's like weird uh, guys who, who want to be the Joker. Who want to be the Joker? And honestly, those two sets of people are not attracted to each other at all. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry I hated that that was like such a Halloween costume the year Suicide Squad came out with like the like daddy's little monster shirt and like yeah it, I mean so many Halloween parties I went to where people were dressed like that and I was just not having it <laughs> um yeah it, it really is just like this 
thing for teenagers, which is weird, especially because it's like not an idea. I think I remember seeing like a bunch of think pieces that was like, Harley and Joker are not an idealized love story, blah, blah, blah. Which should be apparent to anybody who's like even vaguely familiar with her character. (laughs) Anyway, uh, with a talented writer, Margot Robbie as Harley is really explosive. Oh my goodness. Uh, If you haven't seen Birds of Prey yet, I highly recommend it. Don't let your dislike of Suicide Squad stand in your way at all. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Birds of Prey was great. We watched both. We watched both Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey, and Birds of Prey is leaps and bounds better than Suicide Squad. Yeah. And I think it was a movie that a lot of people slept on. Yeah. Because it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. Exactly. So most people didn't see it. It came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. So like right when it was in its sort of like couple last or second couple of weeks of mm-hmm. release is like when things started locking down and movie theaters closed and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I definitely recommend to go watch it. I You can probably find it on it's like... It's probably on HBO Max. Yeah, it might be on HBO Max. I know you can find it on like the... the, the we watched it on like Vudu or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, the, the websites that stream like movies, like modern movies, you know. DC has really capitalized on her popularity recently with the animated Harley Quinn show, uh, which is on HBO Max, used to be on, what was that called? DC Universe? Yes. Before that died but now it's Mm -hmm. on HBO Max um, which we talked about at length in episode 4 when we talked about Kite Man so I won't get too deep on that but long story short it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea it's pretty crass it's pretty violent and it's pretty stupid but there's some really nice LGBTQ representation so if that's your jam go ahead and watch it and there's like some funny jokes in it you just need to be able to put up with like the crassness yeah a little bit of anti-semitism so just like remember that going in (laughs) just a little bit uh, so Joel Kinnaman, who's the actor who plays Rick Flagg in The Suicide Squad, shared in a recent interview that, quote, This film lives in a world somewhere between a sequel and a reboot. We have some of the characters from the first film, and it is, you know, a continuation of sorts, but it really feels like a completely new universe. Unquote. So it sounds a little like they're reassuring viewers that if they didn't like Suicide Squad, that's fine, because this one isn't continuing that story and has nothing to do with it, even if it does have a couple of returning characters. Yeah, it kind of makes sense that now, hearing that quote, that they are calling it The Suicide Squad, when the first movie was called Suicide Squad, because it's like a soft reboot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We don't really know what to expect with Harley in this. She does wear a beautiful dress in the trailer and shows us some really impressive gun foo. Um, If the writing and performance is anything like Birds of Prey, I'm pretty excited to see how things will play out for her in this new film. Yeah, Margot Robbie clearly loves the character. Yeah. And I heard that she was deeply involved in the Birds of Prey movie. I think she was one of the producers. Okay, yeah. And and that makes a lot of sense. Like, because she has such love for the character, it really shines through when, when she's excited about it. You know, you can tell when an actor really likes the character and they're living in it. Mm-hmm. Here, quick question. So obviously neither of us like Jared Leto as the Joker. I don't think there's anybody who did. Uh-huh. Um, who would you, which of the people who have already been cast as the Joker would you pair with Margot Robbie's Harley in like a new, it doesn't have to be the Suicide Squad universe. It can be a completely new universe. You can base it off the animated series, whatever you want. Or whichever like Joker movie that you choose, which one would you drop Margot Robbie's Harley into? Oh my goodness. Oh, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. People who have already played, does it have to be live action? Because I think she would work really well with Mark with Hamill. Mark Hamill. <laughs> if she could bounce off like Mark a, Hamill is old Joker with like, like young Margot Robbie. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say like, you know, Mark Hamill from 20 years ago. Okay. Because the other thing is, you know, like I, I think a, a Joker, like a Joker from Dark Knight, like a, like uh, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger Joker with Margot Robbie would be a really interesting yeah. to watch. 
Um, <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't really see it. No, I don't know. It might be a little too much of a conflict. I feel I w- would love to see her Harley with um, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, just because of like the personality mismatch of her being like crazy and like so excited for that, and him being like crazy and suffering so much from it. <laughs> I feel like that would create a beautiful contrast in their relationship. <laughs> And I feel like she would be like, look, I'm better than your last girlfriend. I'm not imaginary. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see that. Yeah, I don't know. Email us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com if you like or dislike my Harley impression. I think it's pretty good. Email us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com if you have an idea as to what sort of pair up we should do with Margot Robbie for a new movie. Oh, I would love it. She's great, honestly. She could be with anybody. Yeah, no, she she's a she's a really good actress. actress. I love her. I think that's mostly all we have to say about Harley. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to mention uh, she has replaced Wonder Woman as DC's like top selling female character. Oh, good for her! Yeah, her her uh, Rebirth comic launch in 2016 mm-hmm. was the best selling comic of like the entire Rebirth lineup. Really? Yeah, I haven't read it. Maybe I should. So she's she's replaced Wonder Woman as like one of the pillars of DC's. Uh, publishing and she's appeared in so many comic books she's a member of like the gotham city sirens uh the secret six the suicide squad the birds of prey she's been in like so many teams and she appears in so many other comics like she appears in justice league comics and and her own books and the batman books and like all the all the other like Batman sort of spinoffs, like Batman Black and White, mm-hmm. um, she's incredibly popular, like super super popular. Yeah, I love her. Mm-hmm. I really have such a soft spot for Harley. <laughs> I feel like it's because her her origin as like a quote unquote villain, antihero, whatever. It's just like Jason. Like it's rooted in this like trauma that isn't really her fault. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Uh, and she's like, been manipulated. Yeah, her and Jason Todd, both victims of the Joker, who came out the other side stronger and a little crazier for it. <laughs> and I <laughs> a little them. more murderous, a little more murderous, and just a little bit crazier than they were before. Okay, uh, yeah. So that's all we have to say, and yeah. uh, I think we should move on to today's Silver Age comic. Yeah, we are talking today about Batman One Eighty Six. The Joker's Original Robberies, mm-hmm. uh, cover date 1966, November of 1966, writer John Broom, penciler Sheldon Maldoff, inker Joe Giella, and editor Julius Schwartz. Yay, the gang's all here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the comic opens at Joker's hideout where his gang not only has a place to relax between capers, uh, but also little setups where they can practice skills like safe cracking and pickpocketing. Oh yeah, which, and these areas are, it's worth noting, I love this first panel, I have so many comments about it. Go ahead. Uh, the the areas themselves are labeled mm-hmm. and like you you would think because of the way that it looks in the comic that they're just labeled in the comic but in a later panel we see that there's actually like signs on the wall that <laughs> that notify the villains of like where these places actually are i love it <laughs> Um, let's see, what else do I have to say here? Um, it's important to note the safe cracking area does say that dynamite is permitted, although it is about five feet away from the friendly card game area. Yeah, the friendly card game area has four guys who are playing cards, but cards are strewn everywhere. Like each single one of them has like cards behind their back, <laughs> cards, cards in their shoes. Sock, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
beautiful. Um, but one, and one of these guys who's sitting at the card game table has to sit on a box, and all the rest of them have regular chairs. I feel bad for that guy. Yeah, well, you know, it's the it's the sixties. <laughs> they also have like a dummy set up for pickpocket practicing, which doesn't make sense to me because like getting pickpocketing down, pickpocketing down is all about like not notifying the person. Mm-hmm. How would you know practicing on a dummy if you're gonna like? alert them to you pickpocketing them well it's on a mannequin i think it has a lot to do with like how much contact the like um the, the fabric yeah. is making with their skin as you're doing it so yeah it could, it could work I could okay it. okay and then the only other comment i have about this is that real joker's really gone all in on the card themed decor uh because <laughs> he has like a wallpaper of the card suits set up <laughs> which is great it's beautiful Very on-brand, as all hideouts in the 60s were and should be. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, So we're introduced to Gaggy, a.k.a. Gagsworth A. Gagsworthy, the Joker's court jester. He is a man with dwarfism, wearing a black and orange checkered onesie, and sporting a fashionable bowl cut. (laughs) Peter Dinklage, if you are listening to our podcast, do I have a role for you, sir? You want to be in the, you know, the Fox, uh, you know, uh, X-Men movies didn't pan out. You can still be in the DC universe. (laughs) There is a way. Uh, We'll actually talk about this later. There is a live action person who has maybe played Gaggy. Really? Yeah. I have not heard this. Okay. (laughs) We'll we'll talk about it later when we go over Gaggy's other appearances. But this is Gaggy's first appearance in the comics. Mm -hmm. Would you like to read his intro? Can you can you uh, bring up his intro for me? Um, Because I really love it. Yeah. Introducing Gagsworth a Gagsworthy dwarf extraordinary refugee from a circus and now court jester to the clown prince of crime. <laughs> I love it. That is nice. Yeah. I, I mean, like his bowl cut. He's he's doing little comedy acts mm-hmm. to like make the Joker laugh. He's talking about tap dancing. Mm-hmm. I bucked when I should have winged. <laughs> uh, so Gaggy shows Joker his new trick, which is a scream that can shatter glass. Ms. Dinah Lance would like a word yeah. for gimmick infringement. Black canary. <laughs> a regular black canary. And I love how casually the guy holding the glass is just like, hey, that broke my glass. Yeah, my glass is broken. That he's holding in his hand. <laughs> Um, so Gaggy seems like he's partially doing all of this because he enjoys crime, but he also seems like he's a little afraid of the Joker and his thought bubbles and such. Um, he just wants to do a good job entertaining him. Yep, yep. Uh, it's, it's a little, I don't know, it feels a little uncomfortable reading his thought bubbles. Why? I, it, it seems like he's doing it because he knows that, uh, jokes inspire the Joker to commit crimes. Yeah. And it seems like he is getting paid, so that's nice. For sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Gaggy shows Joker that he's created a false nose for their next caper, and it's just in time, because Joker has an idea for a new scheme. Oh man, I absolutely love, I love, love, love this false nose gag, Mm -hmm. because he's like, no one will realize it's me. (laughs) This guy is like like two and a half feet tall, and Mm -hmm. he's like, I can hide myself with this thing that looks like a carrot. Love it. I also wanted to note that the the henchmen, uh, when they're talking about like, oh, Gaggy's doing these jokes for the Joker, they take a pot shot at him. They call him a stand-in for a fire plug. Yeah, I saw you look. I saw you Google what that was. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fire hydrant. Yeah, that's pretty mean. It is pretty mean. But then they also uh, later on to make up for it by saying, uh, like, after he's inspired the Joker to mm. to commit the crime, uh, he's worth his weight in gold. And then they joke like, I wish he weighed more, which I think is. is is a great joke. That is kind of funny. 
so one of the henchmen uh, notes the Joker comes up with new schemes every time Gaggy makes him laugh super hard, which is why he's worth so much to them. Yeah, yeah. So later, at the Salon of Spectacles, the good people of Gotham are marveling at original models of famous inventions. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiling the fun, in comes the Joker gang driving an antique car that has the words Joker's Caper Car Original Model on the side. And I want to know, did he paint that on the side of the car or did they walk to the museum and drive that car in from another exhibit? I think he just bought it. Is it just like on brand with the caper? Yeah, exactly. It's it's on brand with the caper. So he drives this antique car that looks like a Model T, mm-hmm. you know, in. And I th- that's this is the thing that like proves that you can just call anything an original. Like you can make anything and if as long as you call it something different, it can be an original. It's the original. <laughs> It's just weird. It's weird to me. I mean, I guess the 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 criminals of Gotham have no qualms with like announcing their presence. Yeah. But it's weird to me that you would be like, yeah, this is who's here. But I guess the Joker can't hide that it's him. No. Yeah. He <laughs> totally is all about the pageantry of it all. Yeah. I know. It reminds me of a, a John Mulaney joke where he said he talks about how like criminals in the 1920s would like you know dress up for the bank robbery and then they'd be like, yeah, if anyone asks, tell him it was Mr. Snuggins' gang, and they would shoot <laughs> Snuggins into the wall of the bank. It's like, wouldn't you want to get away with it? No. No, because every single one of these villains that we've gone over, they want to get one over on Batman. It's it's all about the fame. It's all about the fame, man. Uh, So Gaggy shatters a chandelier with his uh, scream, incapacitating the museum guards. But luckily, since this is a society event taking place in Gotham, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are there, and they quickly change their costumes and charge at the Joker gang. They do so, they they change their costumes in a safety exit hallway. Yeah. Uh, The one place that would definitely be, like, swarmed by people if there was a robbery happening. Yeah. It's, like, the worst place that they could choose to to change costumes. Mm It's, uh, you know, it's somewhere dark, but hopefully no one will see them Yeah, change. they don't have, like, uh, illuminated exit lights in this safety hallway. Yeah. Joker then shoots his two front tires off of his car at the dynamic duo, but somehow there's, like, two smaller tires underneath so he can still drive the car away later. Yeah, and Batman cracks a quip here saying that Joker is wheeling and dealing. Oh my god, that's so stupid. <laughs> um... The Joker then uses the car's ejector seat to fly at Batman and kick him in the chest, but he leaves Robin to Gaggy. (laughs) And Robin, pathetically, is knocked down by a headbutt from Gaggy, who then immediately tries to take his mask off. Yeah. Because he has no chill. Oh, yeah. He's, like, fixated. He's like, all right, cool, I got you down. Let me get my grubby little fingers under your mask. (laughs) I really hate what he says. He says uh, he's going to wriggle his fingers under Robin's tight mask and that just made my skin crawl. (laughs) Tiny little fingers going like under your mask on your eyes. Uh, Don't touch me, Gaggy. He's honestly though, like he goes straight for the mask. He's one of the smartest villains that we've encountered so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. The second he has him down, he's like, listen, I'm going to find out the... Okay, so who's Robin? Secret identity. But I'm also like, would he... (laughs) Would he know? Would, would he, he recognize? Would he take the mask off and be like, I don't know who this is. Yeah. That, <laughs> would he be like, wow, a flying Grayson. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll yeah. talk about that. Will we? Okay. Again, you know, I, I, I think it would. it's going to be interesting. Let's talk about... Uh... <laughs> am I am I seeing the future of, of the episode in that Gaggy was uh, from a, escaped from a circus and Dick used to live in a circus? Ooh. <gasps> Ooh is there a connection? <laughs> is Gaggy Dick's real father? <laughs> I bet he is. 
I don't think so. <laughs> uh, so the Joker gang manages to fill the room with exhaust from the car and make their escape with all of the original models. This seems to be the go-to for villains in the Silver Age getting away from Batman is blind him temporarily so I can get away. Yeah. Well, they can't beat him up. It's too strong. That's true. I mean, they have, I guess there was one or two villains who have actually knocked him out. Yeah. Uh, but then you have to worry about like, is he playing dead so then he can take you by surprise? Yeah. Unrelated with Batman being strong, um, I was when I was reading the Mad Love like comic, mm-hmm. the part where he like hauls the Joker back into Arkham, uh, it's like the scene when like Harley is like on the floor like, oh my love, like he's here. He's got like his um, part of his costume ripped off, and you can see his arm. It's beefy as hell. Oh yeah. Like I feel like that doesn't come across very well in like the animated series. They would just show him as being like really like barrel chested. His arm is like two feet wide. It's wild. <laughs> I was like, damn, his punches must hurt so much. Uh, he's super strong he's so beefy he's like the peak of human of human physicality Mm, i love it love to see it (laughs) we love a big beefy batman uh great so the next thing that happens is uh batman has a hunch that he knows where they're headed he read in the newspaper that the inventor of the first electric typewriter lives in gotham and has an original model that wasn't displayed in the exhibit I had to look up what these were because like I know what a typewriter is mm-hmm. and my mother when she was in college had like an electronic typewriter but that was one that w- had a computer in it so you mm-hmm. could like save documents. Okay. Um, but this is different. This is like the difference between a regular typewriter and like the first electric typewriters is just that the keys physically don't like press the things into the page. Mm. So it's like you press the key and it sends a signal to something that then like puts the letter on the page. Mm. That's the only difference between like a an old timey typewriter and an electric typewriter. I see. Which was still from like the early 1900s. Mm. Did you not do enough research for this to be an actual Josh's fact? No, no, I, I, because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out like the actual mechanics of it. Okay, it seemed, it seemed like I would have to go and like read, uh, you know, a patent office thing to actually figure it out. Like, All right, our listeners have been spared this week. <laughs> Instead, now they just know a lot more dubious information about the Nazis possibly influencing gymnastics apparatuses. Yeah, which yeah. might be true. You don't know. <laughs> um, all right, so the. Uh, next panel is a massive public service announcement about staying in school. Yeah. Which was really weird to see in the middle of my Batman comic. The next page, yeah. Yeah. They they have this PSA about some kid who's like, I want to go and work. I don't, I want to make some money before I get out of school. And the other kid is like, no, you're throwing away a free education. The taxpayers are paying for you to go to school. Yeah. And then they run into a kid who quit school to work at a grocery store. And he's like, yeah, all my classmates have good jobs. And I'm still working as an errand boy for the grocery store. Yeah. So stay in school, kids. At Uh, least graduate high school. Yeah. At least graduate high school. uh, But maybe don't go to college. Maybe take on a trade because those guys make a lot of money. If you're not interested in academia, it's okay to not go to college. We give you permission. Yep. Yep. This goes out to my two brothers. <laughs> uh, great. So uh, when the dynamic duo arrive at the inventor's house, he tells them that actually, um, actually, the first electric typewriter was made six months before his. Terrible reporting from the Gotham Gazette. Yeah, Gotham Gazette, fake news. Right, exactly. Sad. Actually, and also I was looking this up when I was trying to find out what the Gotham newspaper is, because I thought it was Gotham Gazette. Uh-huh. It is. Uh, it's actually also a real news website that covers local news for New York City. The Gotham oh, Gazette. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Gotham Gazette, fake That's news, different sad. than the Gothamist, because the Gothamist is also a website that does uh, local news, news for, New York, for New York City. Yeah, yeah it's different. 
Oh, interesting. Why does New York want to be Gotham so bad? Why do they want? To- <laughs> they already have supervillains. His name is Bill De Blasio. Wop <laughs> <laughs> That's my one joke of the episode. (laughs) Uh, Great. So the Dominic Duo arrive at this second inventor's place, but they discover nothing but a note written by the Joker telling them that he's already got the model and he's long gone. Wait, before this, there is a panel that shows Batman and Robin heading to the 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 next like inventor's oh, house. Oh yeah, these little guys. <laughs> yeah. The favorite pastime of Gotham youths, which is yelling at the passing Batmobile. Yeah, <laughs> there's just like two kids who are like, "You go get him, Batman!" Yeah, it's so funny. Keeps him going. I love it. Uh, I also like in this panel when they when they finally get to this like second inventor's place. Uh, there's nobody home, and Robin is like, "We're one step ahead." Not no. like realizing that Joker is actually the one. That's the man one is step- already dead. We never find out what happens. To this inventor he's probably dead no okay he's just out he he's like uh you know at work or something okay or dead so back at at the joker's hideout gaggy is sparring with a dummy of his new arch nemesis robin yeah it says here that it's his mortal enemy but they've only met once well he's mad because he didn't (laughs) get to unmask the little little guy yeah uh this is one of those like bozo the clown dolls those like punching bag dolls you can like punch it down but it comes back up Mm -hmm. those are fun and he gets hit with it i think on purpose because he's trying to make the joker laugh Mm mm-hmm so he, he does intentionally hurt himself for Joker's amusement, and he makes the Joker laugh so hard that he comes up with another caper. Mm-hmm. And then he says something really weird, which uh, he goes like, I'll boy wonder him, boss, talking about Robin. Mm-hmm. I don't understand what that even means. I, who knows? Who wants to know, honestly? I, I don't. I don't. I, I'll leave it at, I don't understand, and I don't want to understand. Yeah. Uh, since he's a villain in Gotham, Joker can't just do the crime. He has to... <laughs> pay for a full-page ad in the Gotham Gazette so that he can announce his crime to Batman and Robin. Yeah, uh, mail stuff to either the newspaper or GCPD, and it will find its way to Batman. Exactly, yeah. He's like um, he's like the prototype to Zodiac. I was going to say, yeah, the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing is the Zodiac Killer didn't have to pay for an ad. The no. newspapers ran his story. Yeah. So I'm sure that Joker didn't well, have to pay money. He, like, had a threat in there. He was like, run this or else more people will die. Oh, <laughs> So it was, it was nice that they ran that. But then more people still did die. So I'm well, just saying. Um, Joker's big idea is to steal the original city hall of Gotham. And he almost gets away with it. It's so funny. He steals it by hooking the roof from a helicopter. That's a really strong roof. Well, the other thing that I wanted to mention was that uh, he does this. He's able to like hide himself and his helicopter yeah. in a cloud. Yeah, this pissed me off. Um, Clouds don't go that low. Yeah. So the dynamic duo grab onto the helicopter to follow Joker to like the drop off point. And the comic explains that while they were flying a building through the air, the helicopter was carefully camouflaged to avoid detection from the air, which just was another reminder that these comics are for children. Yeah. Don't think too hard about it. The only thing that I can think of, perhaps, right, is maybe they are creating the cloud around them with like a smoke machine. Oh, maybe. And then... It's Joker gas. (laughs) And then they're using that as cover to carry the building away, Mm -hmm. which makes it even more wild because then if you're the one, if you're a person sitting on the ground, you see a cloud pick up a building and then fly away with (laughs) it. No, I don't like it. 
<laughs> it's very dumb. Uh, the dynamic duo bursts out of City Hall uh, once it has landed on the ground. Uh, but Gaggy gets the jump on Batman, covering his eyes. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Joker has terrible hand-eye coordination. And when he tries to punch Batman, the Cape Crusader ducks. And Joker instead punches Gaggy right in the face. Oh, I also wanted to uh, make mention that when Batman and Robin grab on to uh, the, <laughs> onto the City Hall, the comic describes them as... Like aroused tigers. What? <laughs> yeah, I miss does. that. Uh, oh go, my god! Go back a little further. I yet. see it. Read it out. <laughs> like aroused tigers, the two masked crime fighters catapult themselves high into the air. I guess they mean like excited tigers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It I, was the sixties. Aroused meant a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I understand that like words have changed meaning over time, and people don't usually use aroused to mean like you know. You know, roused. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They're awake. (laughs) They're awake. Uh, Great. So the Joker gang is easily done away with after uh, Joker punches Gaggy. Mm -hmm. Um, The dynamic duo hand them over to the police. Yep. We then find Gaggy and Joker together again as cellmates. Joker asks Gaggy to make him laugh, and Gaggy tells him, just look at the shiner Joker gave him back at the crime scene. Joker does honestly seem genuinely remorseful he for does. He hurting Gaggy. Um, but Gaggy tells Joker that he is a good little soldier, and he took the punch in the line of duty. <laughs> and that is the end of that beautiful comic. It's pretty crazy. Joker apologizes yeah. for, for giving his henchman like, a, a, a black eye. Yeah, it's... Uh, not something you see every day from the Joker. No, yeah. no. Uh, the other thing, the only other thing worth mentioning is that a couple of pages after the end of this story in the comic, there's an advertisement for Lionel Trains. Oh yeah, Jess was very excited about that. With a picture of like a dad, and he's like, "Wow, son, this is the most fun I've had in years." And the kid is talking about like how he bought a Lionel catalog and showed it to his dad, and then his dad bought the trains in the catalog. And the art, the the thing says, "Get a new Lionel catalog for your dad." Like, I guess trying to tell kids, like, if you convince your dad, you can get him to buy you toy trains. Yeah. Worse for you. <laughs> My dad is super into toy trains. That's yes. the reason why I bring it up. He he absolutely loves them. He, like, buys and sells antique ones. It's crazy. It's a lot. He uh, has an entire basement full of them. Yes. Listen to our last Joker episode to hear an exclusive interview with Josh's father about trains. Yep. Uh, so, moral of the story, evil comes in all shapes and sizes. Aww. Aww. <laughs> you can be a villain no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about Gagsworth A. Gagsworthy. Yeah. The wonderful villain who we are all now very acquainted with. Yeah, yeah. So this is his first and only appearance in the Silver Age. He doesn't show up in the comics again until post-crisis. And in post-crisis, he was uh, once a member of Halley's Circus... And his Ooh. act was replaced by the Flying Graysons. Oh, no. He continued his act. So, like, it, he, he continued doing, like, clowning uh, in, I guess, a different circus until Joker found him and they worked together committing crime. Mm-hmm. This is just sort of, uh, you know, in the New Earth continuity, he is retconned into, like, having a vague connection to Robin, sort of explaining his hatred for Robin. Okay. Because it's kind of implied that he, like, vaguely is reminded of the Graysons or something by him. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Which I guess makes sense. Um, And uh, then they also, like, talk about him committing other crimes with the Joker beyond this one. But it does show... This is all in a Gotham City Sirens... uh, 
issue um, or three. It's over the course of three issues. Um, it shows this this like comic again with like some minor details changed. The car that they're driving isn't a Model T. It's like a 1950s car. Um, there's a couple other minor minor differences. Anyway, uh, they get sent to jail together, like in the comic. Um, but they part ways after prison because Joker snaps and like kills five guys in the mess hall. Um, and Gaggy is like, you know, he wasn't the Joker that I knew him to be. Yeah. He wasn't like the funny guy. Um, he was this like darker version of himself. So, uh, after he got out of prison, Gaggy found like the old hideout that they had used the money that they had saved from their crimes to live off of. Um, and, uh, he resented Harley Quinn for being Joker's new partner. Mm. So this is after Harley Quinn shows up in continuity, Joker takes her on as a partner. Uh, they've come and visit the hideout, which he's in, but he's like hiding in and, uh, he like sees how Joker and Harley are like getting together and really doesn't like it mm. because he's Joker's sidekick. How yeah. dare like this new woman come in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, in this, in this, uh, in this Gotham City Sirens comic, he resents Harley Quinn and then impersonates the Joker. So he like puts on stilts and, uh, I guess like longer arms and impersonates the Joker and commits like what he considers like funny gag type crimes mm -hmm. to like bring, I guess, bring the name of Joker back. Yeah. <laughs> like he's not a psychopath. He's fun again. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But he also is trying to kill Harley Quinn. Okay. Because the, the Gotham City Sirens focuses around Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy and Catwoman. Um, it's him like trying to kill Harley Quinn with... Poison Ivy and Catwoman helping Harley kind of like escape this. Mm -hmm. um, this is a comic written by Paul Dini. So I, I highly recommend reading it. I actually was like kind of sad that I didn't have time to like go through and enjoy it. I was kind of sort of skimming through it just mm -hmm. to just to get the backstory for Gaggy. There's also uh, an interesting quote from him in this Gotham City Sirens comic. He goes, everyone knows Gaggy, Joker's original sidekick. Everyone knows him. Even though he was only in one comic before <laughs> this. But now you know him, yeah. listeners. Um, at the end of that comic, the Sirens like strap him to a rocket. rocket. They shoot him up in the air. And then uh, at the end of the comic, he's shown like crawling out of Gotham City's river or oh, something no. and like being like, I'll get you, Harley Quinn. <laughs> But terrifying. He he didn't show up in Sirens after that, and he didn't show up in like New Fifty Two. I think, as far as I can tell, um, he was only he shows up in the uh, Rebirth. He shows up in Three Jokers, where he attacks the Bat Family. So in the Three jo Jokers storyline, he's helping out the Three Jokers. Mm -hmm. um, he attacks the Bat Family, which at that time is uh, Bruce, Barbara, and. Red Hood is with them. There might be one or two others. Mm -hmm. um, and he is eaten by a shark that is affected by the by Joker toxin. Okay. Um, when the Red Hood breaks the glass of the aquarium behind him. Okay. <laughs> so Red Hood shoots the glass of the aquarium, lets forth a great white shark, which sure. then eats Gaggy. Oh, no. So he's dead in Rebirth continuity. Poor Gaggy. <laughs> Unless stuff has been retconned since Three Jokers. I don't know. Um, 
And then the other thing worth mentioning that I was talking about earlier, in the Joker 2019 film, Arthur Fleck, who who is the Joker, mm-hmm. uh, is, has a dwarf friend in the clown agency. Oh, yeah. And that guy's name is Gary. Oh. And the, the actor who played Gary, uh, Leigh Gill, referenced gaggy the character from comics in like a twitter post really yeah that's so interesting yeah so he has sort of appeared in live action because they had this this friend of his that was like a reference to gaggy yeah that's that that one scene where they go to visit his apartment and he like kills that one guy that's terrifying yeah that guy's a great actor he is a great actor he's like trying to get out the door i was like oh my gosh oh man (laughs) yeah because it was he like can't reach the doorknob or something right like reach the lock or whatever oh man and then arthur's like i'll help you out (laughs) then he like keeps like scaring him (laughs) it's horrible i like that movie that movie's really sad (laughs) i would love to see harley quinn in it Uh, that's the end of all I have to say about Gaggy. Those are basically his only appearances. He appears for three issues in Gotham City Sirens. Uh, he's, he's in this one Silver Age comic and he shows up very briefly in Rebirth Mm. and that's it. What an interesting sidekick. Yeah. I would love to see him come back. It would be interesting to see more of him. You were going crazy trying to find him in uh, whatever happened to the Caped Crusader. Because yeah. that was apparently listed as like something he's appeared in. But we couldn't find him. We looked through a bunch of crowd shots. Um, he doesn't play a big role in that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was like a wiki ar- entry that said that he appeared in what happened to the Cape Crusader. And just to like double check, I went through and tried to find him in the crowd and I couldn't. There is like a little person in that comic, but I don't think it's him because he's not wearing like the, the trademark uh, like orange checkered suit that he does mm. in this comic. Interesting. Neil Gaiman, get at us. Where is he in your comic? Yeah. <laughs> Please tell us. We're dying to know. We want more gaggy representation. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think that's all we've got for you guys this week. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Batmates. Have a good week, everyone. Um, you can email us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought of the episode. Tell us what you're enjoying. Tell us what you would like us to talk about. We would love to engage more with our fans. We're reading the McElroy's podcasting book to try to do a little better at, you know, outreach and getting more of an audience for our little podcast. But we appreciate everyone who's been listening so far. Um, you can find the person who made our theme song, Ben Dean, at uh, tinyurl.com slash B-E-N-D-E-A-N-E. And our logo was created by Savannah Storm. You can find her at instagram.com slash s. And I hope you guys have a great week. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day from Happy all Valentine's of us. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. To you. You're our Valentine. You give us mad love. And um, normal is just a setting on a dryer. So there you go. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. Bye.